Welcome to Tucson New Thought. There are a number of people. My name is Jonathan Zenz, and there are a number of people who call me Jay-Z, which now has a lot of, you know, I have a lot to live up to, but I always say I was Jay-Z before Jay-Z was Jay-Z. Hmm. Sometimes you just have to take the moment, take it in, and allow yourself to feel what you feel. That was beautiful. Thank you. Um, I love that song. And it's from a Broadway musical <laughs> um, called Jekyll and Hyde. And as, as many of you know, I have a history in the theater, specifically in musical theater. And so whenever anybody wants to do a musical theater song, bring it on. If you want to do any other songs, let me know. Bring it on. Why not? I'm, I'm, I'm here to like open it up and let us all share in this experience of community. Hmm. This is the moment. This is the moment. This is the moment. Really hear that? There is nothing else that exists. We put a lot of weight into those things that have preceded us, our past, and we lug our past with us, right? We lug it with us, and it weighs us down to the degree that we are not willing to set it down and move forward with the reflection of this is the moment right here and right now. The moment is now. Are you willing to lay those things down that no longer serve you? It's exactly what you're talking about. We have a responsibility, and I always do that work in in, 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 in pronouncing it that way. We have a responsibility to let go of the things that no longer serve us and to step into a life that is evolutionary and filled with love as love. And as we do this, as we do the spiritual work that is required, because this is spiritual work, we start, I started off with this being really intellectual work. Oh, I know. I can read a book and know how it's going to work in my life. But it doesn't mean anything if the intellect does not infuse itself in the heart from a loving perspective. My life changed dramatically when I made that shift from intellect to emotion, allowing myself to feel what needed to be felt. This is the moment I'm willing now to let go of anything that does not serve me and move forward with a new consciousness of love and light at the core of my being. And I trust from that perspective that I don't need to live in anxiety about what is to unfold because when I am rooted in this moment in love and light, what unfolds must be in alignment with that perfectly. But I also as I lug the past with me, I can also be suppressed by this anxiety that I fear about what might be. It's a delicate balancing act that we are always engaged in. So I'm going to ask a question. This is a, it is a rhetorical question. 
Or maybe not. We'll see. We'll see if anybody yells out an answer. So last week I gave homework. And it was not the homework I intended to give, but I gave some homework. The homework was to say yes to everything this week. And boy, there were some people who that, it freaked them out. But now I want you to reflect on what did that do for you this week? What came up for you this week that you may have had a catch in your throat as someone invited you to do something? I have to say yes. Yes. What did that then do? How did your life unfold in a way that is unexpected and perhaps even better than you could possibly have imagined? Because I'll tell you, my life unfolded in a magnificent way this week because I was willing to lead with yes. I was willing to lead with yes. Yes, I have a willingness to step into this, to be something that I have never been before, to experience something I have never experienced before. Oh, it felt so good. And then I had somebody ask me a question. I'm not going to name any names. But somebody asked me a question last night. And the question was this. So does saying yes end at midnight? <laughs> hey, you outed yourself. <laughs> and I answered, saying yes never ends. Saying yes never ends. It is my decision in this moment to continue to say yes. However, there is a caveat now. There is a caveat, and that is this. Sometimes saying no is the best yes you can give to yourself. And that's really important. You have to know where you are. You have to know what is right for you. But it takes the work. It takes the spiritual work, the spiritual mental work, to truly come to a deep understanding of what is right for you so that you are always led in the direction of your intuition and not just your instinct. Because that's what we're talking about here. Our instinctual habit is to run. Sometimes we need to let go of the instinct and lay into the intuition that says something new is about to blossom. And although it may feel scary in this moment, I'm going to be in a place of willingness to allow that to unfold. And the moment for that is now. The moment for that is now. We don't, we don't, we don't talk about, I, I didn't look at her notes. I didn't we don't talk about what anybody is going to say up here. I love to be inspired and surprised in the moment myself. And that is that, that also what goes with that is that if anything is said that feels off principle to me, I will correct it. So far that hasn't happened because I live in trust and I live in faith yes. and I'm going to keep doing that. But you brought up exactly what needed for me to be expressed today. And that is the value of emotion and the value of feeling in our lives. What is the value of emotion and feeling in the work that we do? This may not be a rhetorical question. What is the value of feeling in the work that we do from a spiritual perspective? We do spiritual work here. The work that we do is in mind. The primary tool that we use to do the work we do in mind is affirmative prayer. I'm really moving away from calling it spiritual mind treatment because it's so jargony. And then if you're new here, you won't know what the heck I'm talking about when I say spiritual mind treatment. That just sounds wonky, right? 
Affirmative prayer has one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to change our minds. That's it. We usually approach it with the idea that we want to change something in the world of circumstance. But the world of circumstance is a reflection of what's happening in our minds. That's cause. Mind is cause. The world of circumstance is effect. So if our causative mind is creating the effect, we should never be working to change the effect. We should always be working to change the cause. But what is the value of feeling in that work that we do? I will suggest it is this. Our thoughts and our beliefs, our thoughts plus our beliefs, I've used this equation before, thought plus belief to the power of feeling creates our experience, creates the quality of our experience. So if the power of our feeling is not very highly resonant, it is not very high in that vibratory nature, if that's the quality of our, if that is our feeling, then the quality of our life is going to be in alignment with that no matter what the circumstances look like. When we approach life from the point of view that joy is the core feeling, that happiness is the core feeling, that we are always having that available to us, then that is a higher vibratory feeling. The thoughts plus beliefs create the circumstances based on that high vibration and everything feels more joyful. The quality of our life is lifted up. One of the things that we must do is to begin to eliminate judgment, judging things as good or bad. What if everything just was? What if we understood that everything that exists just is? It just is. And we took away our judgment of the circumstances. What if we let that go? eliminated it entirely, decided it was no longer necessary to judge the things in our life. What might that look like? That is rhetorical. In this philosophy, we claim that all circumstances, all experiences, everything in the world of form is divine. It is the expression of an energy of love, that love is so strong that it expresses itself in form as us, as the circumstances of our lives, as everything that we encounter. And I always like to go to this, right? Because everybody says, well, I can understand how we can claim that you know, living creatures are divine, living creatures are God, living creatures are this thing, this energy of love, this creative energy. But the lectern? Yes. Yes. The lectern is energy in form. And it was a divine idea that allowed the lectern to show up in this way. But one of the things we can do is we have these feelings and emotions that come up that we would judge as negative. Has anyone ever felt sadness? Has anyone ever felt upset? We judge those things as negative things. And this happens a lot in, in these spiritual centers where we do ourselves a disservice by judging those types of emotions, trying to suppress them to say, oh no, I've been taught in my spiritual center that I should only ever be happy. Well, we have two sides of the same coin. 
What if we stopped judging those things and recognize that there is power within them? There's something to be learned within them. And when we learn it, we actually then tip the scales to what we would like to experience. But what happens is if we suppress those feelings so much, we shove them down and shove them down and shove them down. What they're doing is they're becoming rooted at a cellular level and they are continuing to create the expression of our lives. Because the degree to which we try to suppress them is the degree to which we keep them active in our thinking process, which is prayer. Thinking is prayer. And as we keep them active in our thinking process, that's the way our life shows up. So we would like to think, right, that we we try to suppress those emotions as something other than divine. Sadness, anger, upset, whatever. Those are divine emotions. Those are divine feelings, and they are there for a purpose. So let's begin to honor them when they show up with the recognition that we are in charge and we don't need to allow them to take over our lives. Here's one of my tools. I know it will shock you, but I've had disagreements with my husband. No. Right? I'm sure no one here have, ever has disagreements with their, with their partners if you're in a relationship or in any relationship. I'm sure you never have disagreements, right? I have disagreements with my husband. And these disagreements have at times led to rather heated discussions. And I'm, I'm a pretty strong person, so I like lay my claim and, right? dig into it. One of the things, so there are two things that I, that I have learned to utilize in my life. Number one is, irrespective of the feelings that I'm feeling, he did nothing to make me feel that way. And so it is, I step out of my place of trying to get him to take responsibility for my feelings. Oftentimes, the fights that we have, those are us trying to get the other person to take responsibility for our feelings. Again, I'm sure nobody here does that. That was a big lesson for me to learn. A big lesson for me to learn. The other part of that, the other thing that it was really important for me to learn was, number one, to step away. Sometimes you need to step away. Go through your own processing. Don't process with the other person. Allow yourself to go through your own process. And then have an intelligent conversation around what's going on for you. One of the lessons, that, that is a lesson I learned by becoming a minister. In ministry, and, and, and I sort of veered off this a couple weeks ago when the, when the um, shootings happened in El Paso and Dayton, one of the things I learned as a minister is whatever's coming up for you that is the lesson you need to learn, um, you should never talk about it from the pulpit, from the, I, here, <laughs> I can see it happening. We have cough drops if you'd like cough drops. <laughs> You're welcome. Where was I? Yes, so we, <laughs> we, in ministry, I learned you'd never actually process in front of your community. That's a destructive thing. That's a very destructive thing. And when I was talking about the shootings, when I was talking about those things, there was maybe a little hint of processing, but I will say that I worked really hard that morning to move past the processing and get to the spiritual truth of the situation. 
but we must do this in our interpersonal relationships. Do the processing that you need to do first before you have the conversation. I guarantee you it's going to increase the experience of your relationships exponentially. Exponentially. So there's a lot of value in honoring that we are going to have negative emotions and not suppressing them. Are you willing to do that? But not let yourself get overrun by emotions. So here's the other lesson that I have learned in that. If I am upset, I self-reflect and I say, you know what, I'm really upset in this moment. Oh, I'm upset. I'm really upset. And then I say to myself, how long do I want to carry this? How long do I want to carry this? And this is not about suppressing the emotion. It's about allowing yourself to go through the emotion, go through the feeling, and allow yourself to get to the other side of it. And so what I do, here's a little tip. I give myself a time frame. I limit myself. I say, you know what? I have this emotion. I'm experiencing this. I'm upset, and I'm going to allow myself to feel this for the next hour. I'm just going to allow myself to go through what I need to go through to get to where I need to get, and I'm going to allow myself one hour to do it. The mind says, oh, okay, so I can do all of this processing in an hour. That's the way treatment prayer works. My mind says, yes. The law says, yes, you have 60 minutes. Done. Typically what happens, I'll tell you, this is the secret. Typically what happens within about 10 minutes, I've done all the processing because I've given myself the opportunity to do it. I have not said, nope, I don't want to feel that. I've given myself the opportunity to move gracefully through the experience. When is the time to do that? What moment is the time to do that? The moment is now. Because we are only ever in this moment. So with that said, we should probably see what... Uh, Spirit has to offer today. So those of you who don't know, uh, one of the things that I do is I do a random drawing that leads me to a page number of whatever book I am utilizing. Jerry, would you draw a number for me? And so the page that I am going to today is page 73. 73. Interesting. 73. So the book that we've been using this entire month is The Power of Decision, which I tell everybody is my favorite book within this philosophy. It is the book that I always invite people to read first if you are new to the philosophy, The Power of Decision by Raymond Charles Barker. Ha <laughs> ha! And it never fails. This is under the heading, Your Right to Happiness. There are one, two, three paragraphs from which to choose. Which paragraph should I go to? Two? Okay, I'm just going to give you a fair warning. We're doing some biblical quotes now. <laughs> In the book of Job, we read, The sons of God shouted for joy, and Jesus stated, These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. These are but two of the many biblical, the second part is from John. These are but two of the many biblical statements on the subject of joy. If you have a Bible concordance, 
Look up the words joy and happiness. You will be amazed to find a large number of passages in the Bible that state that joy and happiness are spiritual states that everyone should have in his day-to-day living. Old theological beliefs still have subconscious power even when the intellect has dismissed them. What's really fascinating to me is I don't know if you watch my daily videos during the week. That actually, it was actually this page that I inadvertently turned to and that last part I used on Friday. Old theological be- beliefs still have subconscious power even when the intellect has dismissed them. Do you believe that joy is rooted in your heart? And do you believe that you can simply uncover your heart and allow joy to be the point of view from which you express at all times? Nah. Everybody's like, I don't really know how to answer that because I'm not saying, oh yeah, and I'm not saying no. Everybody's kind of like thinking about it. It's I didn't say it was rhetorical this time. It does, it depends on the moment, but the moment, the only moment that exists is now. One of the things he's touching on here, you know, when the, the, first, the first sentence of this section says, do you actually believe that you have the right to be happy? Do you actually believe that? Do you have a feeling so rooted at the core of your soul that is exponentially addressing your belief that says, the belief says, happiness is at the root of my soul, and I have a feeling about that that is going to uplift me into the experience of happiness at all times. Do you have that? It's okay if you don't. That is rhetorical. (laughs) Can you imagine? No, I don't have that. (laughs) Where Where did the idea come from that that should not be part of your experience? Again, rhetorical. Okay, the rest of the questions are most likely going to be rhetorical unless I say otherwise. Where did you decide that happiness could not be your point of view and your expression of life? Where did that decision come into play? Where did that decision come into play? Now, he's speaking about, because we're in essentially, you know, what is registered with the IRS as a church. We are in a spiritual center that is saying everything that you believe becomes your reality, becomes your experience. The truth is, if you were raised in a faith tradition, any faith tradition where you have incorporated core beliefs from that faith tradition that may not have served you in a way that says, you are magnificent, you are worthy, you do not require salvation. You do not require salvation. I want, to, I want everyone to hear that. You do not require salvation. You are love and light embodied right here and right now. That's the core truth. But there are faith traditions that would have us believe something else. We can let those go. But we have to become aware of them. We have to know at the core of our heart. We have to know. We have to lay into that belief from a feeling perspective that says, I know I do not require salvation because there is nothing from which I need to be saved. And if I believe there's something from which I need to be saved, here's what I know. It is only my own erroneous thinking because my thoughts create my experience. That's it. 
Now, when we, he, 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 he utters the name of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth here. This is what Jesus was showing us. This is what Jesus was teaching. This is what Buddha was teaching. That understanding that at the core of each and every one of us is that light, is that life. And we get to decide what to do with it. It is what Muhammad was teaching. It is what Moses was teaching. It is what is at the core of Hinduism. It is what is at the core of all faith traditions. There is that which is within us, which is so powerful and so great that when we truly get it, when we remember who we are, life exponentially gets better. So if you are ready for joy, if you are ready for happiness, if you are ready for these things in your life, the moment to experience them is now. This is the moment. Right here, right now. Thank you for listening. Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.